Hello and welcome back to Movies on My Mind. I am your host Rosie and today we've got another Christmas film and it is my favourite Christmas film so I'm really excited to do this one and it is A Muppet Christmas Carol directed by Brian Henson from the year 1992. I really love this film and I have said in previous podcast episodes that I really like Christmas Carol and my favourite version is this one and it's the American version with Muppets in it and it is my favourite portrayal of the story which is so weird because it is a British book, a British author set in London yet the Muppets really bring the Christmas spirit in this one. So today I'm going to be talking about my favourite bits from it, my favourite bits of the story as a whole, but then also my favourite bits from other versions of the story and it's going to be crazy. And then also I'm going to be like picking out details and stuff that I liked from this one because why not? If you haven't seen this brilliant version of this brilliant story, then go and see it because this is 100% my favourite Christmas film and nothing compares to A Muppet Christmas Carol. That's coming from someone who used to have an insane fear of the Muppets. So, you know what? This film also represents the conquering of my fear. There's a lot going on for me here and that's why I love to watch it every single year to remind myself how far I've come. Anyway, so... Let's get straight into kind of like the summary of this film. Okay, so the story, A Christmas Carol, was written by Charles Dickens. I should have the year. Right, stay, stay wait a second for some historical knowledge. Christmas Carol, I think it's like 1843. Let's see if I was right. Yes! Oh my god! I'm so clever. Okay, I got it right. Okay. It was published in 1843, written by Charles Dickens. I did this for GCSE English, so I do have some sort of knowledge of it, but that was a long time ago, but I still remembered it, so that's great. Yay, I'm not completely gone. Anyway, so I really like this story because it has everything I want in it for Christmas. It's got some ghosts, it's got some poverty, it's got some Christmas, it's got some snow, it's got people it's got everything watch it read it it's an experience and the book is really small it only has five staves which are like chapters and the chapters are really tiny and the book is like 100 pages so it's like really easy to read so i'd recommend it just for an experience i mean it's pretty charles dickens's work is pretty it's pretty straightforward and not incredibly descriptive in my opinion. He has a way of writing that is quite matter-of-fact, which goes with everything he intended anyway, but that's just my little tiny opinion. Some of his books I do find quite, A Tale of Two Cities, I'm talking to you, quite grating, but uh, A Christmas Carol is nice and short, so I can deal. Let's go into the story. So if you don't know the story, where have you been? But anyway, I'm just gonna go over it quickly. So, main character is Ebenezer Scrooge. He's an old man who runs like a business, like a, oh, like a lender. He's a lender. He lends money to people and um he hates christmas he hates everything and everyone hates him because he just wears black and he's a bit of an emo and he's an old man as well so no one really likes him and he works all the time he is kind of a bit of a boss
boss because he's a bit of a girl boss because he is rich but he just doesn't like Christmas so one night Christmas Eve he has a little guy working for him called Bob Cratchit and he is poor because Scrooge does not pay Bob Cratchit enough money to do the books for him. They all go home and Bob Cratchit's like, oh, sir, can I please have the day off for Christmas to spend with my family and my dying child? And he's like, hmm, I don't know, maybe, but I kind of don't want you to have the day off because we kind of need to do some more work. And he's like, but Christmas, there's no work to do on Christmas day. And he's like, well, I don't agree. And then another thing happens where some charity workers come in and they're like, hey Scrooge, do you want to give some money to charity? And he's like, no, they sh-. And then they're like, but they go to workhouses. And he's like, well, they should kill themselves because they're like, well, some would rather die than go to workhouses. And Scrooge is like, well, they should just kill themselves. So <laughs> Scrooge is giving Jimmy private school girl when he's like, if they don't want to go to workhouses and they'd rather die, then they should just kill themselves. I'm pretty sure Jimmy would say that. Anyway, Ebenezer Scrooge goes home and he used to run the farm with Marley, Jacob Marley. Anyway, on his way home, he's feeling a little bit ghostly. It's a bit misty out and he goes to his house and he sees like a little bit of a ghost of Jacob Marley on his doorbell thing, his little knocker. And he's like, oh my God, what the hell? And he's like, oh no, don't worry. I'm just, I'm just eating something funny. So he goes into his apartments and eats like some shit food because he can't be bothered to employ people to make him really nice food. And he also can't be bothered to have a nice house because he just, he's just lazy. And then Jacob Marley appears out of nowhere, a ghost of Jacob Marley and he's in chains. Oh my God, he's in chains. And I'm gonna spoil the entire thing. And he's like, what the hell, who are you, ghost? And he's like, I'm Jacob Marley, your old friend. And he's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't believe you. But anyway, Jacob Marley warns him that if he carries on the way he is, he will end up in chains, which are the sins and the horrible deeds he did in life that are chained to him. And he has to walk around the earth forever in purgatory. And Scrooge is like, oh, that does not sound nice. And he's like, well, tonight, three ghosts are going to come and visit you. And you better be ready because they're going to change your life. And Scrooge is like, <laughs> yeah, well, okay whatever. So he goes to bed and the first ghost appears and it's a ghost of Christmas past. Now this ghost is kind of nicer, kind of a little bit of a dip in the nice pond. And this ghost takes him to his childhood and shows him kind of like him living in the past. And it's like, oh, do you remember this? Do you remember that? Do you remember this? And we find out things about Scrooge's life and Scrooge is a little bit scared and he's a bit like, what the hell is this? Anyway, he kind of gets used to it and then it's too late because Ghost of Christmas Past has gone. The next ghost to come, which arguably is my scariest ghost, I'm the most afraid of the Ghost of Christmas Present and I will tell you why. But first, what does it do? Um, The Ghost of Christmas Present comes in and it's like, I'm going to show you things that are happening right now. I'm going to have to show you things that are happening right now that are going to happen on this day. So it's kind of a bit cheating though, because it's like Christmas past slash a bit of future, but basically the present, how things are now. It gets a little bit rocky and um, Scrooge gets to see other people's lives and Bob Cratchit's family. And he's feeling a little bit sad because he doesn't pay them enough money and they've got a dying child that they can't feed. Anyway, fast forward to the Ghost of Christmas Future where the ghost is just like the Grim Reaper 
and the ghost shows him someone's death and Scrooge is like, who has died? And then takes him to a graveyard and in the graveyard, there's a grave and it says Ebenezer Scrooge on it. And he's like, oh my God, why did you just show me my own grave? Oh, because you're telling me I'm gonna die. And he's like, I don't wanna die. So he has like a big tantrum and he wakes up in his bed and it's Christmas morning. But Scrooge is a different person through this experience, this traumatic experience he's gone through. And he decides to be more nice and give people gifts on Christmas. He also has a nephew called Fred who is really Christmas oriented. He loves, loves Christmas. And he's like, Scrooge, you should celebrate Christmas more, Uncle Scrooge. And he's like, mm, no. But then he goes and visits him on Christmas day because he still has some family and he has a nice time and he turns into a nice Scrooge. And that's the end. Oh, and Tiny Tim doesn't die. That was in the ghost of Christmas future. That was a really bad summary. So many things happen in this. But anyways, Tiny Tim does not die. Everyone lives happily ever after. And Scrooge decides to give Bob Cratchit's family a massive, massive turkey on Christmas. So everyone's happy in the end. And that is the story of A Christmas Carol. And I love it. And I've seen so many different versions of it. And obsessed. Victorian Christmas obsessed. Like I said in my other podcast episode, I actually think that I was a dying Victorian child in a past life. I don't know. I have like a connection to it. Very weird. I don't know why. So Charles Dickens speaks to me. I am the public he is speaking to. Anyway, The Muppet Christmas Carol is a little bit different to this story. So I've just told you the book summary, basically. Now, The Muppet Christmas Carol has different things going on because they had to cast all of the Muppets. There are too many Muppets for not to, not enough characters. And some characters in A Muppet Christmas Carol are people and not Muppets, okay? So let's just go over the casting for a second. In The Muppet Christmas Carol, we have Scrooge is played by Michael Caine. Now I've got some thoughts about Michael Caine's performance in this film. I have some big thoughts here. He is definitely not my favorite Scrooge. He's actually my least favorite Scrooge I've ever seen. Sorry, Michael Caine, he's a legend, but I have some interesting beliefs on that front that I'll go into later. Anyway, Bob Cratchit is played by Kermit the Frog. Uh, which is perfect casting. I think he makes a great Bob Cratchit. If we're talking about my fear of Muppets, I used to be really scared of puppets in general. And I think I had like an epiphany like a few months ago, weeks ago actually, it was really recent, where I think the reason why I was afraid, yes, there is. I used to be terrified of puppets. There used to be, at my nursery, there used to be like this puppet that would come into every classroom and like help with the register or something. And it was supposed to be a nice thing for the kids. I was absolutely terrified of it. I had to be escorted out. And then one day the system failed me and some teachers were not told. They were not told that I had an irrational fear of puppets. So I had to sit and watch them. And then I kind of did get over my fear a little bit, but I think it came from, this is weird, it came from Mr. Blobby. I used to see Mr. Blobby on TV and I was absolutely terrified. That thing terrifies me because what's he gonna do next? No one knows, no one ever knew. He made a really weird noise and I just don't, terrified. So I just kind of took that and put it onto every single puppet that ever existed because I can't see a human face and I can't, I don't know what they're gonna do. They could do anything terrified. So that meant I was afraid of the Muppets. However, there was one Muppet that won my heart and that was Kermit the Frog. He did not scare me and I really liked Kermit. So that is why I have a soft spot for him because, you know, he was my exception, which also was really weird. But anyway, there you go. So I, I love a bit of Kermit the Frog and this whole film in general, I can watch it now happily, but 
literally when I was like five years old, I couldn't do it at all. I couldn't do it at all. The first time I watched The Muppets properly, the Muppet movie that came out with Amy Adams and Jason Segel in it, we watched it at my friend's house, but I was not told the movie. I did not know we were gonna be watching the Muppet movie. And that is another time where I over, I took over my fear because I was like, I can't tell everyone here that I'm afraid of the Muppets because they will laugh at me. So I just had to do it and I went, oh, they're not actually that bad, are they? No, no, they're not that bad. I also like Gonzo and Gonzo, he plays Charles Dickens, which is a little bit of a weird touch that they put into this, but I love it. It's a bit of an objective view. Charles Dickens himself is a character and it helps because the American audience, they won't really know who Charles Dickens is if they don't do English literature. They won't know. They won't know who he is really. He's, he's not American. So I really like that touch because it kind of brings an objective viewpoint to the story. And especially if kids are afraid of the ghosts, then it makes sense that there's kind of like a comic relief thing going on. And Rizzo the Rat is just there. So whatever. Anyway, okay, what other people are in the cast? So obviously Bob Cratchit's Kermit the Frog. Miss Piggy is of course Mrs. Cratchit, his wife. And uh, who else we got? Uh, Jacob Marley is not just Jacob Marley, it's Jacob and Robert Marley, played by the two Muppets, the other grumpy ones. They played like brothers, not just one. Which kind of ups the stakes because, I mean, if it's not just Jacob Molly, it's his brother as well, then these chains, they'll come in very successfully to people. So that is even more stakes for Scrooge there. Who else is in this? Fred, Scrooge's nephew, is played by, let me just do some searching, Stephen McIntosh. So they're the people and then the rest are Muppets. Is there any other characters that are important? Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim is just a little mini comment. So there you go, just a little mini Kermit, but he's just like a mini version of him, um, which is cute. And then of course, Michael Caine is Scrooge. Okay, if there are any more characters, of course, I'm going to include them. But that's kind of the main cast. And um, yeah, I love the opening. I really like that. So if we start from the beginning, I love the opening. Um, it has like this aerial shot of the kind of, a lot of Christmas carols have this, I will say, but it is just, iconic so if you make a version of a christmas carol you have to have this shot otherwise it's just not a christmas carol but it's like an aerial shot of like houses and rooftops of london you just have to have it any dickens adaptation you need to have it otherwise it just doesn't make sense and it's like it's just it's in like a studio it's like a model it's not an actual it's not actually london okay but it's got like little snow on the roof amazing place setting and it also kind of the supernatural element you can get through the shot as well because we're flying in the sky we're being objective here and we have an objective character anyway with our charles dickens and also we've got ghosts in this and we've got a bit of supernatural so we're going to be doing some flying in this and you've kind of got to be open to it so a bit of aerial shots at the beginning is you know it's going to help you along the way so uh, i love that and i also love the music the music in this is my favorite Christmas Carol music. There is no other version of a Christmas Carol that I have seen. Mm. I mean, the Disney one with Jim Carrey, I like that music, but it's not a Muppet Christmas Carol. This is a musical too, guys, okay? It's a musical as well. So you have absolutely everything in this film. It's amazing. Anyway, okay, so we have that aerial shot going into London, and then we have the really amazing opening number that is Scrooge. I don't know what it's called, but it's the song about Scrooge. And he walks around and it's like, 
the music oh yeah a big ensemble number i love it but to be honest with you and i'm going to be talking about michael kane scrooge right now scrooge doesn't scare me in this and i i'm still on the fence as to whether scrooge needs to scare you or not you know do you need to be afraid of him or do you not because otherwise if you're afraid of him by the end you're going to be really confused and i think it's up to the actor who's playing him but michael kane went for the really subtle approach and I've seen some like workshops that Michael Caine's done in the past and he really does focus on subtleness. Like that is what he's good at. He's really good at film acting in the way that, you know, just a look of the eye is gonna give you away or how you hold yourself on camera. He's really good at that. But I feel like when you're with Muppets here, Muppets, they don't blink. They don't have eyes, they're puppets. So a lot of their movement and a lot of, obviously they speak, but like a lot of their movement has to be really outward because otherwise we don't see that they're real things. We see them as puppets. So for me, I didn't like, I didn't love the contrast between like the Muppets being big and then so we understand them and they're being really theatrical and then we had Michael Caine who is being really subtle it means that he's paid attention to his character but it goes you don't notice it the same because the energy is really contrasting and it, it didn't help to make him seem more scary I felt like he needed to overpower the Muppets even more to be af to make them afraid of him I don't know unpopular opinions but that's what i'm feeling about it that's how i feel about it you know i mean i appreciate it you can see in his eyes that he really is when you know what to look for you can see it and it's there but when you kind of like see it on the film as a whole maybe if you're a child watching it you're not going to notice it you'll just see him as a man being scrooge on the fence about that i felt like he needed to be more theatrical but again the contrast could work in terms of his character because no one likes him so he needs to be different i don't know did it work too well hmm um i don't know maybe but yeah and then so we have him entered as like a human character we see like charles dickens gonzo and the and rizzo are talking to start with anyway and then and then we are introduced to scrooge and he's walking as well it's really funny like i feel like it's weird seeing a human walk around a town of muppets we also have there is some people in the ensemble of course so there's that and then we have fred does come in at the first kind of scene and he is more theatrical than scrooge obviously because he loves christmas and he's very big and uses his arms and kind of projects quite a lot whereas scrooge is very internal which is again it works for his character but for me in terms of this being a musical and with muppets in it i kind of wanted something bigger so maybe michael kane wasn't the right approach i respect him but just saying anyway that was very in-depth so i love that the little room that he has in his like little office is really dark again classic the set was really good because it felt like you were not in america like it, it didn't feel american obviously because it wasn't supposed to be but you know it felt like you could be in britain so it was kind of like a cartoon version of it but it worked it was kind of like exaggerated of course but it it works and i really love the setting because i don't get even now because everything's kind of it was special effects it wasn't cgi and i'm so glad that there wasn't as much cgi in there as you could have put in there if that makes sense a lot of it's like quite old-fashioned of course because it's 1992 so the technology 
isn't readily that available for you to do that. It's kind of all like kind of homemade effects. And I feel like in films that lasts longer than if you put like some really shit CGI in and then like 20 years after, it doesn't stand at all. It looks awful. It would also not be a Christmas carol without some snow. There's plenty of snow going around, which is great. Definitely know it's Christmas. There's a lot of framing in this that, um, getting technical. It's a Muppet Christmas carol, why would we not? But a lot of the framing in this um, is put Scrooge as he is physically higher than most of the Muppets because they're puppets and he's a person. But also in terms of like camera, the mise-en-scene is that Scrooge is kind of like more dominant in the frame than the little Muppets and the people he's telling off. And then also I think when we go through with him and the ghosts, he does become quite more, a bit more reserved as he's kind of given things to look at that he doesn't want to and he becomes less dominant in the frame and the ghosts kind of take on the lead in terms of where they are and how they're positioned. But Scrooge does start off as quite a formidable man in terms of him taking up a lot of space. In terms of his desk as well, he is higher... He's in like a separate area to the others, which is understandable, but he is also higher than them because they're tiny little and they're asking him for like days off and he's like towering over them. But then when Fred comes in, Fred actually stands up and Scrooge sits down. So it shows that although Scrooge is the villain right now, he is not right. He is not powerful here because Fred can stand over him and it shows that Christmas wins, Christmas spirit wins, uh, because Scrooge is sitting down and he is unaware of this power and is a bit, he's not right. He's not, he's not the right man. Okay, what else are we talking about? One thing I really love about this, it was really creative for me, uh, definitely textbook, was as Scrooge leaves, so Bob Cratchit leaves the building and he sings the song, It Feels Like Christmas, and he does a bit of ice skated and then it's so cute. And then at the end, he's staring up at the moon and then like a shooting star goes past. I love that. <laughs> and then Scrooge leaves the building and it's all foggy and dark. And we've got Chiaroscuro here. We've got light and dark. We've got a lot of shadow going on. So we know that there's something a bit supernatural is gonna arrive here. And it's an evil supernatural because we've just seen Bob Cratchit leave. Does he leave before or after? I'm pretty sure it's Bob Cratchit leaving before. I can't remember. That could be wrong. But anyway, we have the contrast between the two anyway, because Bob Cratchit leaves and he goes and has a ski in the snow and then he looks up to the moon. So he's feeling a little bit supernatural as well, but in a good way, in a Christmas spirit way, because it feels like Christmas and he's got the moon, he's got a little shooting star, which is a bit of luck that he definitely needs. Whereas Scrooge leaves and he's got fog. Mm, no, he's got darkness. He has got weird noises, scary music dramatic music uh, and he's on his own so he's isolated as well which shows that he's isolated in his own ways uh, and there's some great angles where so he goes up to his house and they make great use of some railings and he's like trapped in the railings so he's trapped in his own mind and it shows that he's not open to this supernatural stuff going on around him which means that the supernatural stuff has to work harder to gain his attention so he's got that and then we have a little tiny bit of a dutch angle so we know that things aren't right things are turning on their head a little bit here which shows which then contrasts against the bob cratchit who is my 
nice and happy. He has no Dutch angles that he needs to worry about, but Scrooge has loads, so things are gonna get a little bit wobbly. Love that. And then inside his house, it's just so dark. He has a little bit of a candle that he lights, I think. And he just eats a little bit of his silly porridge and his silly hat. I think he's wearing a hat. And then we have the brilliant number brought in by Jacob and Robert Marley. Marley and Marley. Great, very dramatic. Great use of chains. I love the way a lot of the Christmas carols, because they're older, um, have the same effect for the ghosts. So it's kind of like they kind of overlay the ghosts onto the frame, which is what they did with the Marley and Marley. So it kind of see you see them as like they're really thin. You can't their image is quite weak and you can almost see through them. I love that because that's really old fashioned way of doing it, but it works better than CGI most of the time. Unless your CGI is really, really, really good, then I would prefer that personally. In other versions of A Christmas Carol, I think in the 1984 version, we have Marley in like, he's like plastered up, like his jaw is, because otherwise his jaw like hangs off. <laughs> Great. Um, he comes in kind of like that as well, so he's almost see-through, but it's like overlaid. It's not I don't know why that's the right term. That kind of thing, it's not CGI'd because we don't, we don't have the funds for that, but it is really effective. And especially when you see a ghost like that, it's almost like they are real, like how you would really see a ghost. Whereas I feel like when it's CGI, it's like, that's just a CGI ghost. It's not real, it's made on a computer. But real ghosts are not made on computers. I also, if we're talking about, let's go and talk about Charles Dickens, the Charles Dickens character, which played by Gonzo very, very well. We get a lot of American stuff in that. There's a lot of American stuff in this as well. And I don't mind it. I'm okay with it because it is the story being kind of made into something different, which is really great to see because so many different versions are exactly the same. Obviously there's the new Scrooge film on Netflix that's animated that has Luke Evans playing Scrooge who does loads of singing. I have not seen that, but again, that is completely reinventing the story, um, which is, I don't know how good that is, but I'm gonna say fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, so I was gonna talk about the Charles Dickens character now. So all the way through, we have kind of this objective, omniscient narrator that wreaks havoc themselves but is kind of is narrating the story. I love a narrator. As a kid, one role I always wanted to get in the nativity wherever I was, if I was in church, if I was at school, was I had to be the narrator. I mean, obviously, if there's a part in it that's a really large speaking role, 100%, but when you had some productions of the nativity that had a narrator, that's me. I am being that narrator. So I love a bit of a narrator for me because it just brings me back. And it's nice to kind of have an objectivity to kind of this crazy story because sometimes you don't. And it's just nice. It's just different. It's just classic. Some of these, some of these points I'm making are literally so bad. 
We have, of course, the bell that rings and then we have the Molly and Molly. They actually come up the stairs, which is really cool because it's like they're coming up from hell, if that makes sense, if we wanted to do that. Hell being obviously the bottom of the stairs and then they rise as the, the mist rises upwards. But it also shows that they have more power in that moment because they're here to tell Scrooge they're here to warn him so they have this higher knowledge yeah and there's a lot of entrapment imagery in that whole sequence anyway we have loads of railings they love railings in this and also in terms of the chains so scrooge is very much trapped in his ways and trapped in his mind and his house because there's so much darkness in it it's like the darkness is like coming to get him which it almost does we're gonna move on to the past section. The ghost of Christmas past appears. Now this Christmas past ghost is presented to us as a child. And again, it's kind of like overlaid in a really kind of ghostly way. It looks like a real ghost and it's not like a person. And this is interesting because a lot of different versions portray this ghost in a different way. So this ghost, it's said in the book, I think as well, that it's like a childlike kind of ghost. And, and this one is like kind of a baby. <laughs> you know the TikTok thing where it's like, this was me when I was a baby? Kind of looks like that without the green hat. That is, <laughs> that's how I can describe it. This one has ginger hair too. So it's it's that, <laughs> it just floats. I, I'm okay with this version of a Christmas, uh, Ghost Christmas Past. The most terrifying version I've seen is in Disney's A Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey. That one, that Irish candle head, like what's it called? Where you, a candle snuff. That Irish candle snuff is terrifying. And he's like a flame. So he's like, ooh, like he does like a weird movement and his voice, mad. That's terrifying. Anyway, this one is not, <laughs> it's not scary. It's so funny. Rizzo and Gonzo decide they're gonna come with him because otherwise the story wouldn't make sense if they missed out that whole chunk of that experience. So in order to kind of see us, to see that they're coming with Scrooge, they <laughs> tie a rope to his leg and hang off it. So if you wanted realism, you've come to the wrong film and they just kind of hang there. In terms of maybe how the past is portrayed to us, it's much brighter than what we've seen. The colors are less muted, they're much more bright. Even when there's the scene where Belle says to Scrooge, I don't want to be with you anymore. The sky is really bright blue. Done in the studio, I don't think it's done anywhere in real life, but like even the trees, like everything is so bright and colorful. So we know that it's the past. We have, instead of Fezziwig's kind of party, we have Fozziwig because of Fozzy Bear who is Fozziwig, there you go. And they're all like in there having a party. Again, the colors are really bright, really warm to show that this is a past. And this is Scrooge in his prime if you wanted to argue that. However, what is different about this is we don't have, we don't have a sister in this version. In the original book, there is a, Scrooge has a sister and a family and that's not discussed in this, which is fine because there's so many Muppets in here. So we, yeah, there's so much to, so much going on. And as well, we are kind of brought along the journey to empathize with Scrooge. So there is a bit where young Scrooge is sitting, writing something down and he has like a bask of light coming behind him through the window and it kind of lights him up in a kind of more like a religious way in a like main character way if that makes sense obviously to be like this is Scrooge but at the same time if we see Scrooge as being a child and being lit up in that way as like a holy child I don't know we can empathize with him more because you know we've seen him younger and we know that he's a person deep down inside but again with this version we don't have too much going on behind the scenes as to 
why Scrooge is the way he is. It's kind of just accepted that he just doesn't like Christmas and he's just sad and he just has no friends. That's basically it. But some versions do go into why it is he's not happy at Christmas, that kind of thing. And and this version does miss it out. But um, I think when you're this far in, you know the story so well, it doesn't matter anymore because you can make up your own reasoning as to why. Now we're going on to the present, the ghost of Christmas present. Now this ghost scares me the most. That f- terrifying velvet green robe on that man, like no. Anyway, this is not a man, this is a Muppet. <laughs> Am I a man or a Muppet? I don't know. <laughs> He's a Muppet. The Ghost Christmas present is a Muppet. He's the scariest ghost for me. Uh, so I'm going to go into why. Why am I afraid of the Ghost of Christmas present? Now, the Ghost of Christmas present is all about kind of abundance. And what is terrifying about this abundance is the reason why this ghost kind of times out is because the abundance becomes so great. Now, in my head, this is how I do it. I don't know whether this is actually real and I've just made this up. But like many things on this podcast, I make up. Anyway, the ghost of Christmas present kind of is so abundant and it's kind of this growth of abundance. So it grows, grows, grows until it becomes gross. Like, so until you get to greed, until you get to so much that you don't know what to do of, it's, it's kind of like disgusting. It makes me feel disgusting when there is just so much. It's like in summer when you kind of nearly get to autumn and you maybe have some like apples on the tree or like some fruit. And it just, it's kind of, it's that verge from being so much that anymore it's gonna die. So so morbid, you know, or it tastes horrible because it's gone sour, it's gone, it's, it's, it's like, it's decaying. Like the abundance goes so far that it ends up decaying, it's like the cycle. And that's the same for the Christmas present, but in a person, like that's terrifying. So you never know how he's gonna act. You know, he'll start off really nice, which is what he does. And then he kind of gets more manipulative. He starts to get horrible and then he just dies. In the 1984 version, he is the most terrifying. It's a man and he's wearing the robe and he has his ignorance and want underneath his robe, which is not in a Muppet Christmas Carol for obvious reasons, because it's terrifying. And he kind of like goes, do you want to look under my robe? And Scrooge is like, uh, no. (laughs) And he's like, well, look, under my robe and he like moves his rope and he's got like two children underneath him called ignorance and want and they are obviously the consequences of all this abundance and having so much that you become greedy and you become ignorant of what you want and it represents obviously at the time how all these people in power and all these people who are rich could control the poor and they didn't want to help them they just wanted to remain rich and greedy that is not in the muppet christmas carol Uh, But still, that kind of scariness of the ghost is still there because his hair goes grey and he does kind of like disintegrate. I don't know whether he disintegrates, but he does in the other one. (laughs) He turns into a skeleton. What? (laughs) Crazy. He doesn't disintegrate in this one, I don't think. I can't remember, but yeah, he does kind of get old and it's that kind of disgusts me in a weird way. I don't know why. Uh, but I don't like the ghost of Christmas present. He terrifies me. And I'm thinking maybe because this manipulativeness and the kind of like passive aggressiveness he gets at the end, because he mocks Scrooge very famously as well. 
So is it because he's been with him for so long that he just kind of takes on his energy and becomes manipulative and greedy? I, I don't know, but I don't like it. I don't like it. Anyway, so in terms of what's going on in the present is it's all about kind of like the ability to choose and the ability to change your mind so the past was you can't change that you have to move on the present is these are your decisions and the people the decisions that people are making right now scrooge becomes a bit more warmer and and, and, and a bit he kind of changes a little bit because obviously in terms of time in the present you can kind of manipulate how you feel in terms of okay I can decide to feel this way now I can decide to make this decision so he's kind of doing a bit of a change there but of course he still has the past behind him and his actions that he's done in the past do not reflect well for his future but the present gives him chance to realize he can change okay so then we move on to the future now the future is always my fa- my favorite ghost because I don't know it's just so ominous and scary and cool i don't know why in the future we kind of have obviously we're in our graveyards so we know that there's some death going on here and then death could happen and as well in terms of the story there needed to have been some sort of death wager because that's what it was like for people living at the time it was cold in the winter they couldn't heat their homes because they couldn't afford coal for the fire they couldn't afford things to eat things like that people working in horrible conditions every single day and it's cold and it's horrible So it was really difficult for people to survive in that time. And it was so bad that families would have to prepare for death, for people dying and getting ill at that time of year as well. Like it's obviously not too different from today, of course, because life is still the same, but in terms of the conditions in which people lived in and the conditions in which the government treated them, you were not there to win. You were not there to survive at the end of the day. So obviously as Scrooge is one of the rich richer people, the people who can heat his home, the people who can eat, people that can make decisions and spend money. He wouldn't necessarily, as well because he doesn't care about anyone, wouldn't necessarily have to prepare for death in his life at that time. The only death would be his own. And I don't think he even considered that. And when you're in that position in which you're so powerful and yet so ignorant, you would kind of forget your own mortality. And that is what Scrooge does. And he forgets everyone else's too. So he kind of has this kind of relationship in the visions with Tiny Tim, who is Bob Cratchit's youngest son. And he's a cripple, of course. And, um... Scrooge kind of represents, he kind of gets this relationship with him through the visions and he's like, you know, I kind of feel bad for this kid. You know, he, he, it's not his fault. He's a cripple and he's ill and he's struggling. And Scrooge realizes that he can actually have that power to change Tiny Tim's life. But in the future, he's given the vision that Tiny Tim has died, but so has himself as well. So it's Tiny Tim dying and then also Scrooge dying. And he's absolutely terrified by this because he's realizing someone that he is kind of had an affinity for that he might care about is going to die, but then also himself. And he has done absolutely nothing to prevent both of them deaths happening he doesn't just have one on his hands he has two so the future ghost is really cool it's kind of like grim reaper extreme it's really big kind of has a void in the hood you can't see a face or anything and it has a really long arm that just points it dominates a lot of the shots because it is taller than scrooge and it is much more ominous it doesn't say anything and Scrooge is absolutely terrified. That shows the the power that the ghost has and that this 
ghost can actually have enough power to get one up on Scrooge. Yeah, and he has this massive realization that his actions have consequences and kind of, it's kind of like karma. So it's, he's gonna get some bad karma if he carries on the way he is. Good things will not come to pass, but if he changes his ways and is nice and kind of does things with good intentions, then by the end, he's gonna be fine. It's, everything's gonna be fine. And he has the absolute control to do that. And it's all about his attitude, all about his actions and what he believes in and things like that. So then after that, he like kind of sees his grave, freaks out, gets really scared. And then he wakes up in his bed and he's not dead. And he is so grateful for his life. And it's so sad that it took this man who was really rich, that whole traumatic experience to realize that he's mortal and also realize that other people around him have to deal with that eventuality every single day. And they have to wake up and be thankful that they are still alive. He had completely forgotten that and almost became above that. So he's really happy he's alive, of course. There's a few Dutch angles when he wakes up because again, things have changed. We've got a new equilibrium at the end. So obviously the equilibrium at the start started with Scrooge being horrible and kind of good things happening, but also a lot of bad things that were controlled by people. And then the middle is kind of like, obviously we have a disequilibrium. Things are on their head a little bit. He's being challenged. His beliefs are not what he thought they were. His attitude is actually very problematic that he realizes. And by the end, he gains this self-awareness and is like, okay, I'm going to change the way I am. And that is our new equilibrium at the end. And to show that that's happening, we have those Dutch angles. And then we also have really, really light, warm light. And Scrooge in himself, I said about Michael Caine's performance at the start, but also he does become much bigger and larger and, and really animated by the end. So maybe that was intentional. Obviously it's gonna be intentional, but he does have that. But I think that on the whole, I would have preferred a kind of a nastier, physically nastier Scrooge, if that makes sense. So yeah, so that's really nice. And then it's all happy at the end. He goes and uh, Bob Cratchit gets a nice big turkey, which is nice. I, I think so in this version, I can't remember. And then Scrooge goes over to Fred's house and they have a big party and everything is well and good in the world. And he sings a little song in the street. So really nice. And Tiny Tim does not die. God bless us everyone, he does not die. Because Scrooge saved him with that massive turkey. So there you go. I absolutely, I've covered so much ground in this podcast for you. I love A Christmas Carol because it just is my favorite. I love it every year. And this is my favorite version by far. They're able to kind of get the aesthetic of a, like a Victorian Christmas, even though it's American. And I appreciate that hundred percent. And I think this is a really fun version. We have the songs and everything as well. And I mean, it still stands to today. This film is this year, 30, 30 years old, 2002, 2012. Yeah. This film is 30 years old this year. Absolutely insane, but it still stands and I appreciate it. I love it every year. It's what I'm going to rewatch. So really enjoyed this film as I always do. I've watched it so many times. If you like this podcast, if you like this episode, then please leave me a review. Also follow me on Instagram and TikTok at movies on my mind to pod. I'll be posting stuff on there, hopefully. Next week, I am going to be doing, what did they, what did people vote for? They voted for the Grinch, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It won over Love Actually. Although I kind of have a lot to say about Love Actually, so I might just, it was a close one. I might just cancel the last, oh, I might cancel the last poll and just do Love Actually as the last one. I don't know, it's gonna be a mystery. 
I hope you come and tune in for next week with uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So I really enjoyed this episode. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.